Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. What's up, Generations Church online? Man, I love you and I miss you. And I felt like I could hear you worshiping today. Seriously, I, I don't just say that. That's not just pastor speak. Like I was in our lobby uh, as our worship team was worshiping and leading us in worship today, and I was singing along with you, and and man, I I felt this corporate experience of worship, and so I'm thankful for that. Uh, You know, I know that this last week, Pastor Trevor sent out a video, and uh, we informed you that our original plan, one of our original plans, plan L or F or somewhere down the line, was for us to gather back together in person today. And evidently you got the message that that was not going to take place because I'm here and you're not. But uh, you know, we, we've said for the last several weeks now, maybe, maybe more than a month or so, that our plan was to reopen when we could meet in this space together. And our hope and plan, based on everything that we had been told, was that that was going to take place in time for us to meet today. But uh, the fire marshal, when he came to do an inspection, Uh, He uh, required some additional work, and so I appreciate uh, his job and his uh, obligation to keep you safe and to keep us safe when we gather in a place like this. Uh, But we also know that like, if he would have told us earlier on some of the work that he was going to require and he had the drawings way in advance, that maybe we could have completed that in a more timely fashion. But our contractors have been working hard. They continue to work hard to finish up those things that he's now required. Everything else seems to be uh, done. We're kind of buttoned up here. We're just waiting on that final approval. And so when that happens, we will gather back together in person. Now, I'm not going to tell you it's next week. I'd love to tell you it's next week. I'm not going to tell you it's next week because I don't know. I'm not in control of that process. I'm not going to tell you it's two weeks or three weeks. I just want to be able to give you good news, and I want to be able to tell you it's coming, and we're ready, and so you're going to hear a lot from me this next week uh, about what it's going to look like when we do reopen, because I know we've been apart now for about 18 weeks or so uh, as it relates to our in-person worship experiences, and, uh, and so when we come back together, there's going to be a few things that are a little different, and so we want to describe for you what that's going to look like, so you'll hear from me this week about that, uh, and then hopefully you'll also get a word from me about, hey, here is when we're coming back together, and maybe that's in the next few days or maybe in the next week or two, but we'll give you that information, I promise you, and as I've said, every week, and at this point you probably think I'm a liar, I'm ready for you to get back more than you may be ready to get back. And I know that some of you, your hope and your desire would be for us to gather together and you want to come and join us in that, but maybe you have some health issues personally, maybe you're of the age where you're in the at-risk population, uh, and, and so you just may not be able to come and join us right away until we get a little more information and we see. Uh, I know others of you, you care for someone who maybe is more at risk or you live with someone who's more at risk. And so you're going to be cautious. And so you've reached out to tell us like, hey, we love you and we're watching and we want to come join you. But it may be a little while before we do that. And that's OK. It really is. Uh, but we also know that when we do have the opportunity to come together, whatever point that happens, that we want you, if you can, to come back together. I know that there is uh, this idea that maybe we've gotten out of the habit of meeting together. Uh, hopefully, you've still engaged in this format uh, in a pretty regular uh, pattern and routine of behavior for you, but maybe we've gotten out of the pattern and behavior of coming together to meet together in worship. But my hope is, uh, my prayer is that when we do have opportunity to come back together, that you'll do that, that you'll join us. We're going we're gonna to give you all the information this week about what that's going to look like, and so we're going to try to make it as safe for you to come back 
as you possibly can because we want to worship together in this space and celebrate all that God has done in the last 18 weeks or so and all that we believe God is going to do. There's a couple other things I want to let you know about as we jump in today that's coming up. First, uh, just in about two weeks, I guess two weekends from now, we have our Generation Youth Summer Camp experience. It's a Friday night, a Saturday, and then we'll gather together in some format to worship on that Sunday morning. And so uh, we want you to go and register your middle or high school student for that event. There's some information that's available on our website at g.church. So if you have a middle schooler or high schooler, it's going to be a great weekend. Corey and I can't wait to hang out with them. And so some amazing G Youth leaders that we have there that we just want to spend some time with your students. We want to have a lot of fun. We will be safe and careful, but we're going to have a great time together. We're going to worship God, grow in relationship with Him, and also grow in relationship with one another. So make sure you go and register your middle or high school student for that event on the 24th through the 26th. And then also on Saturday, August the 1st, we have our VBS Family Day for our G Kids ministry. And there's some more information that will be made available this week, and so you can register as we open that up later this week. So we're excited about all those things that are coming up. And then the third one is a little more, uh, don't register for this. This is just something a little more intangible that we can put some tangible feet to. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and perhaps those that are watching right now, maybe you are not, but uh, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this week, one of the things that I want you to do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do this myself, I want us to be life-giving. I want us to find some way to serve someone else. So maybe when you're mowing your grass and your neighbor's not the kind of person that would like cut you if you mow their grass, maybe you just kind of go across the property line and you just cut their grass, you know, because you just want to help them. Maybe you, you serve someone at your job and you help them in some way. Maybe you buy the person's meal that's behind you in the drive through line or the takeout place where you're getting some food. Uh, maybe you just speak encouragement to someone that needs some encouragement. Whatever it looks like, I want us this week just to speak life. There's so much going on and so much divisiveness and so much hate and so much confusion. I would love for us to be a people that just speaks life into the relationships and the people around us. So I believe if we pray and ask God to help us, he will uh, bring us across the paths of people that need that kind of encouragement. Today we are continuing in the series, Suit Up. We've been in this series now for several weeks, and we're going to continue this through the end of July. Pastor Trevor last week did a great job helping us as we looked at the armor of God, and he looked at this idea of our feet being fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And he, he really challenged us. He challenged me as I was watching online last week. He, he challenged us about being peacemakers and being peace speakers and pursuing the peace of God in our lives, whether that's online or in relationship. And it was a really challenging message. So I encourage you to kind of go back and catch up if you missed that. Uh, but he continued in this series that we've been looking at on the armor of God. And so a few weeks ago, we talked about the belt of truth. And then we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. He talked about our feet being fitted with the gospel of peace. And today I want to look at the shield of faith. But as we talk in this entire series, the underlying foundational principle here, the things that we want to make sure we, we understand from the very beginning, the very word go about this series, is that we are in a spiritual battle. In Ephesians chapter 6, where this series is based from, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, the struggles that we're facing in our lives, they are real and they feel real because they very much are battles that are going on in our lives, but they're not just the battles with people right in front of us. They're not just the things that we see with our natural eyes. We have to understand that they are battles in the spiritual realm. It's, it's the battle of good versus evil. 
And so as we live in that reality of spiritual battles, Scripture tells us that if we're going to find victory, what we have to do is we have to put on the full armor of God. We have to put on the full armor of God. So right there where you're at, I just want you to say the armor of God. All right, so you said the armor of God. Now, what does that look like? We've been talking about it, right? The belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and our feet fitted with the gospel of peace. And so today, this is not something that we necessarily wear, but I want us to look at the shield of faith. Look at this in verse 16 of Ephesians chapter 6. It says, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, when I say the shield of faith, I'm not sure what you envision. I'm not sure what you start thinking about as it relates to a shield. Maybe you think about, you know, Captain America and the shiny, you know, red, blue, white kind of thing. It's, it's silver. And maybe you're thinking of your favorite movie and some military guy and he's holding a shield and it's very shiny or it, it looks like it's taken its lumps over the, the course of the battles that he's fought in. But as the Apostle Paul was writing this letter to the people of the city of Ephesus and the church that was being formed there, he's writing about something a little different. I've asked them to put up a picture of what a shield in that time in history would have looked like. It It was not round, though it had a curve to it. It was more square or rectangular. And it would have been strapped on the the soldier's arm from his wrist all the way up to his bicep because of the weight and and, and kind of the girth of this entire shield that he would have been holding. It would have protected really his his entire body. It would have been about three and a half feet wide and three and a half feet tall. And so if he was holding it out in front of him, uh, he's got his helmet on, which we're going to talk about next week. The only thing that would not have been necessarily protected would probably have been his legs and maybe his feet, which he would have also potentially been wearing some type of armor. But this is not just a personal thing. It's not just an individual thing. There were also some formations that the army of that day would have gotten into to try to protect one another. There's a, a communal aspect to this as well. So I want you to see this picture. This would have been the phalanx formation. This idea that they would have come together in close proximity to one another. They would have held their shield up to protect not just themselves, but perhaps the one to their left. And maybe those that were coming behind them would have held up a shield so that they could be protected as well. And they could protect kind of the the top of someone in the front row. And then if someone died or someone was harmed in the front row, then the person behind would just step up into the front of that formation. Another variation of this that they stole from the Greeks uh, would have been the tortoise formation, the testudo formation, and it would have been where they really come together almost as in, in a shell, and they would have had a top covering, and they would have been covered on their sides and in the front to try to protect them from the devices of the enemy that they were fighting against. And so one of those devices which the Apostle Paul speaks to here is the flaming arrows. Now, the arrow would have been, you know, something that, that you would understand what that is, a bow and arrow. They would have shot that from a great distance. It provided safety for the one that was shooting it. Uh, But we also understand that once they started lighting those things on fire, like it caused greater harm, right? It's not just an arrow that might puncture you. Now it's on fire. It might catch you on fire or the ground around you on fire or those around you on fire. And so this is something that they would have begun to use these formations and these shields to protect themselves and to protect those that were in the formation around them. So when the Apostle Paul is talking about the shield of faith, he is definitely referencing something that you and I can take on ourselves personally, but he's also saying that there is a community aspect to the shield, that my faith, my shield can also provide comfort. It can also provide protection to you. And so earlier I talked about the idea that when we gather back together, when we reopen our facility, I want you to come. And it's not just so that you can come and fill this room or be in this space. 
I'm better when you're here. And I believe you're better when I'm here and others are here because we grow one another's faith. We encourage one another as it relates to pursuing and chasing after God. And so we want you not just to hear the announcements or to hear the things that we may pitch in a, in a given service. We really do want you to jump into the digital lobby experience at the end of this call. At the end of this service, jump on that call. We really do on Tuesday nights want you to jump into digital discovery track because we want you to discover your purpose and we want you to be prepared that when we reopen, you may be able to find your purpose in a way that you can serve other people with the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God has given to you. And maybe you would say, hey, when I do, when we, re we do reopen, while I want to come, I can't come, but I'm going to keep watching on the stream. Well, that's great. We're streaming it so that you can participate and others can as well. But we want you to jump into a group, even if you have to meet online. We want you to jump into those digital lobbies on Sundays and into Discovery Track, even when you're not gathered together in person, because we need one another. And I am better and you are better when we have one another together. And I think that's so important for all of us because our faith encourages other people. So today I want to look really practically at three quick ideas about the shield of faith that I think will help all of us as we attempt to live with the armor of God on and the shield of faith strapped around our arm to protect us and protect others. Here's the first idea. It's not meant to be your only line of defense. It is not meant to be your only line of defense. Look at verse 16 that we already read. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. In addition to what? Well, in addition to what we've already talked about, in addition to the belt of truth, and in addition to the breastplate of righteousness, in addition to our feet fitted with the gospel of peace, and in addition to eventually the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Like in addition to these things, we take up the shield of faith. It, it is not meant to be our only line of defense. But unfortunately, I see a lot of people who are trying to defend themselves against the enemy with just their faith. Now, when I say that, you may say, well, well, faith is what saves you, right? Absolutely, faith is what saves you. But I also believe that if you are trying to defeat the enemy only using your faith, then you're missing out on an incredible opportunity to take advantage of the armor that God has given to us to be equipped so that we can stand up against the enemy, so that we can find victory with our lives, so that we can actually be centered and grounded in truth that informs our faith, which we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. And so I believe our faith is made stronger when it's joined with truth and when it's joined with righteousness and when it's joined with peace and all of these things that we've talked about and all the things that we will talk about. It is important for us to understand that our faith is made stronger when it is in addition to those things and when we're not trying to just live on our faith alone. So if I, if I say that, you go, well, that, that doesn't really sound like something that you should be saying, Jeremy. That, that doesn't sound like something that I think we actually believe. So let's, let's, let's get to the, the bottom line. What is faith? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, this is the New King James Version. It says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith allows us to see what can't be seen, and it allows us to believe that for which we are hoping. But it's not just some figment of our imagination. Look at the words that are used here, especially in the New King James, and it may be a little different in the, in the version of Scripture that you may be reading there. It says that it is the substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things we can't see. Look at those two words, substance and evidence. Substance is tangible. 
right? I learned that in science early on in my educational experience, that if it was a substance, it was something tangible, something I could hold to. If it was evidence, it was something that was entered into a court of law. It was a, it was a fact. It was saying, hey, I saw this. I can report on this. I'm, I'm holding the, the, the truth of what happened here, and so there's some evidence that I can, that I can take hold of. And so faith is the substance, it's the tangible of what we're hoping for, what we're longing for. It is the evidence, it's something that, that can be proven, it is, it is intellectually, factually real, and so those are the things that I'm believing for, I'm, I'm hoping for, that I can't yet see. And so as I think about those things, then I recognize that it is irrefutable, it is real, and so I can lean into my faith by informing my faith. Now look at this in Romans chapter 8, verse 24 and 25. It says, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So here again in Romans, what we have is that though it's based on solid evidence, it doesn't take any faith to hope for something that you already see. Like I, it doesn't take any, any faith at all to say, well, I, I'm holding something in my hand, but I hope it's, I hope it's real. No, you, you know it's real because you're holding it. Well, that's that tension of living by faith, living in faith. It's saying, I can't see it yet, and yet I know it to be true. I've experienced it to be true. I've heard the stories and the testimonies of others. I have my whole life. I've listened to the stories of my grandparents and my parents and those that are older, in me, older than me in the Lord. And, and I've listened to the stories of what they've observed about God and what they've experienced about God. And I, I now have some of my own stories as I've prayed and asked God to make himself known to me and to reveal himself to me. And when I open God's word and I read God's word, I, am, I, I see him illuminating himself and revealing himself to me in ways that inform my faith so that I can hope for that which I still can't see, but I can inform that faith because it's substance, it's evidence. And I was talking to a young man this past week about faith. And I was saying to him, like, I think it's awesome that we have faith, and I think it's awesome that we hope, but I think God is calling us to more than that. If you are only leaning on your faith, the shield of faith, you're only leaning on like, I'm just going to fight it because I was told it was real, and I'm, I'm hoping it's real, and I'm hoping that this is enough, and I'm hoping. Dave Ramsey tells us that hope is not a strategy. So what is the strategy? That our shield of faith is something that's in addition to truth. It's in addition to righteousness with which we stand before a, a holy and a righteous and a loving and a grace-filled and merciful God. It's informed by peace and becoming a peacemaker and walking into conversations with those who may believe completely different than we do and saying, hey, I'm going to be a peacemaker here and I'm going to share my story, but I'm also going to go to God's word. And I was talking to this young man about faith and I was saying, hey, here, here's the deal. What are you doing to inform your faith? Where are you gathering evidence and, and leaning into substance that is tangible to try to understand more about God? So often what happens is we spend so much time focusing on and arguing over what is obscure that we miss what is obvious. There are some obvious truths about God's word. There's some obvious truths about who God is and what God is asking of each of us. And we focus on these obscure things, and in doing so, we miss out on the obvious things. My hope for you, my hope for me is that if my faith feels weak or if my faith can't seem to stand up against the flaming arrows of the enemy, that I would make the effort to seek out evidence, seek out truth, seek out substance. I believe when we put in that effort that God reveals himself to us, 
and that he's able to prove himself to us in ways that inform our faith. We must acquire evidence and tangible substance to inform our faith, to to really make our shield stronger. Here's the second thing as it relates to the shield of faith. It's intended to deflect, but not defeat. It's intended to deflect, but not defeat. Again, when I say that, maybe you go, I don't, I don't know that I believe that. I'm not sure that I think that. I've, I've watched a movie where somebody used a shield and, and they lost their weapon and they couldn't find their sword and so they used their shield to literally like beat their enemy to death. And that's awesome. That's a great movie scene. But the primary objective of the shield is to play defense, is to protect you. It's to deflect. That's why there was the curved feature there as it related to the way that it was constructed, to deflect the arrows, to extinguish the arrows so that they would fall to the ground and they would not cause harm to the soldier. But it wasn't intended that the shield of faith would be what defeated the enemy. There's weapons to be used to defeat the enemy. You're going to hear about that in a couple weeks as we talk about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So it's meant to deflect and not to defeat It's primarily for our protection. So I want you to think about faith. Think about it again. And we talked about it just a minute ago. What is faith? You're saying, I believe. You're saying, I can't see it, but I believe it. And so what is the opposite of belief? Well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to believe that the opposite of belief is unbelief. But can I just tell you today, wherever you're at, and maybe this speaks right to what you're going through right now, the enemy cannot make you unbelieve something. The enemy cannot make you unbelieve it. Now, when I typed that out, the word unbelieve evidently is not a real word because my computer kept trying to tell me that it was a typo. But I'm going to hold to that word. The enemy cannot make you unbelieve something. So you know what the enemy does instead of trying to make you unbelieve? He tries to cause you to doubt what you believe. Do you know what the first words that the enemy ever said to a human being were? Let's look at it together. This is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say? Did God really say? Now, the next part of that sentence is actually in quotes. And so he's trying to quote God, but it's a misquote. It's a distortion of the truth. It's just enough of the truth to make you think it's truth, but then there's a little bit of untruth in it. And so he uses that as a scheme, as an attack on your faith, on your belief, to try to cause you to unbelieve just by creating doubt. Did did God really say, well, I I mean, did God say, did did God really tell me that? I'm not really sure what God said, and, and I'm not sure how do I, the enemy's crafty. He roams around. He sneaks around. He's trying to help like, get into places where you would never allow him just to walk through the front door. So he's trying to come in and sneak in and go, well, did God really say? Do you really think that's truth? Do you really think that's what God's asking of you? Here, here's the thing. Questions in and of themselves are not bad. They're not evil. And they do not intimidate God. Questions are not a problem unless we don't take the question to the right place. I want you to think about this. Some of you, it's been a long, long time since this was a reality. But if you're in 10th grade math and you don't understand a concept, you don't understand something about 10th grade math, whatever math that is, if that's algebra 2 or geometry or some other you know, random mathematical type class, if you're in that class and you don't understand a concept and you have a question, should you take that question to the 10th grade math teacher 
or to the kid that's failing the class that sits in the back? Well, I think we could all say, like, we might get a funnier answer from the kid in the back, but if we really want to understand the concept, if we really want to build our knowledge base so that we could then learn the next concept and the next concept, we would take our question to the teacher so that the teacher could inform us of the information that we lack so that we would understand some things better. And that, I believe, is where we miss out so often. We are convinced that God is intimidated by our questions, and so we refuse to take our questions to God, and so we just begin to mull over those questions in our mind, and we begin to convince ourselves of things that we knew to be true that maybe they're not true now. We allow the enemy to use these, these did God really say, types of questions that create doubt in our minds and confusion in our hearts to cause us to wonder, did God really say? So when the enemy comes at you, his questions are, did, did God really say? Could, could God really save someone as bad as you? Or are you telling me that God would actually ask you to remain pure and to remain faithful in your life? Now, you can use the shield of faith to deflect those questions. You can use the shield of faith to extinguish that arrow of doubt that the enemy's trying to use to distort your view of truth. And you can actually take those questions to God and say, God, what, what did you say? What is it, God, that you're asking me to obey? God, am I really saved? Which we're going to talk about next week, by the way. And you can frustrate the enemy even if you don't defeat him because you deflect his doubt-inducing questions and you take them straight to the source. You go right to God the Father and you say, God, would you help me to understand? Here's the third thing today. The third thought about the shield of faith is that it's not enough just to hold it. It's not enough just to hold it. Now, I started these three talking about not allowing your shield of faith to be your only line of defense. However, it is intended to be your first line of defense. You know, over the quarantine, over the last few weeks and months, as we've, you know, our schedules have been shifted and changed, I've, I've tried to find live sports to watch, and I can't always find that live sports that I'm looking for. And so, you know, I've gone back to watch some old sports. And so as I'm flipping through the channels, I'm not a big boxing fan. Maybe you are. I'm not a big boxing fan. I've never been a boxer. I got in one fight in my whole life. It was in the eighth grade. Uh, I'll tell you that story another time, but I defended myself pretty well. And I think there's a guy that lives in Tennessee that would tell you the same thing. But I'm not a boxer, all right? And even when I watch boxing, I'm not really sure like what I'm watching really other than the fact that they're trying to hit each other. But I think I've picked up from watching boxing over the last few weeks as I've been flipping through the channels that they are trying to protect themselves, right? They've got their gloves extended. And if I understand the idea, they're trying to protect themselves from receiving too many body blows or maybe too many headshots that would eventually knock them out or create so much pain in their body that they cannot continue in the fight. And so as it relates to this idea of boxing, you gotta keep up your defense. You gotta make sure that you protect yourself. Well, that is the role of the shield of faith. It is intended to be your first line of defense. The enemy is roaming around trying to destroy your life, trying to kill you. He's trying to get body blow after body blow after body blow. He's trying to get headshot after headshot because he wants to weaken you to the point that he can actually kill you. And if we don't shield ourselves with faith, we take those body blows and eventually we're too weak because the armor that we are wearing, that we've tried to fit ourselves with, it begins to wear down. So what are we to do? Look again at verse 16. It said, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. 
take up the shield of faith. Don't just hold it. Don't just leave it right there at your side. Take it up. Pick it up in front of you. Like, do something with what you've been given. Take up the shield of faith. I know a lot of people who have faith, they believe there's something out there somewhere that's important to life down here. They're spiritual, but not religious. They believe in something in the cosmos somewhere. They have faith in something, but they don't take up their faith. They don't live by faith. Paul says this, that in addition to all of these things, he says you've got to take up your faith. You've got to do something with it. You've got to use it and live it and inform it and believe it. Pastor Craig Rochelle, who's also an author, he's at Life Church. he wrote a book a number of years ago called The Christian Atheist. And this is what he, he said in the book. He said, there are millions of people who believe in God, but live as if he doesn't exist. There are millions of people who believe in God, but live as if he doesn't exist. James chapter 2, verse 17 tells us that faith without works is dead. If you don't take it up, if you don't do something with your faith, it's as good as dead for you. It does you no good. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says that we walk by faith, not by sight. We actually have to, have to step out. And we have to take steps and we have to do some things so that we recognize we are living by faith. We are not just good people if we're followers of Jesus Christ. We don't just go to church. We are faith-filled people. We trust God for the things beyond our own ability. We, we don't put our hope in a political party. We don't put our hope in a 401k. We don't put our hope in great strategy. We hope for a kingdom that is yet to come because we are a faith-filled people. And so we turn faith into a verb. We take up the shield of faith. We live by faith. We actually do something with our faith in our lives. We faith some things. We make it a verb. And so, God, I'm faithing for the salvation of my husband or my wife. I'm faithing for the healing of a friend. I'm faithing for the end of COVID and sickness and disease. Lord, I'm, I'm faithing for a job that you have for me to align the provision for my needs and the living out of my purpose that you've uniquely called me and gifted me to do. God, I'm, I'm faithing forward even when I don't feel like it. We live by faith. Take up the shield of faith. Do something with it. It's not just enough to hold it. It's not just enough to say, I own a Bible. Open your Bible and read it and inform your faith with evidence and substance and tangible means to say, this is who God is and this is what God's calling me to. I am a faith-filled follower of Jesus Christ and I lift up the shield of faith to stand against the flaming arrows of the enemy and I shout because victory is mine, declares the Lord of heaven and earth. I wish you were here right now because you could give me a good amen. Some of you wouldn't. You would just stare at me like a bump on a log. But I'm telling you, that's good preaching right there. We are faith-filled people. And that's my hope for you. My hope and my prayer for you today is that you just put on the full armor of God. That you have the belt of truth strapped around your waist. And you put the breastplate of righteousness on and your feet are fitted with the gospel of peace and that you take up the shield 
of faith. We don't use our faith as a weapon. We use our faith to inform ourselves and to defend ourselves and to protect ourselves so that we can better deflect the arrows of the enemy who would come and say, well, did God really say? Are you actually a good person? Are you? you go, no, no, listen. My faith tells me that it is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things I can't yet see, but I walk by faith. I put my faith in action because we are faith-filled followers of Jesus Christ. Right there where you're at, just say amen, right? Even if I can't hear you, just say amen. That's who we want to be today. And so right where you're at, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a minute. Nobody's looking around. Just a moment between you and God. As you say, God, I want to live by faith. I want to see you do these things in my life. And today, maybe you would say, hey, you know, the first faith-filled step I need to take is to trust God with my salvation. I need to trust God to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I need him to forgive my sins, and I want him to be my Lord. And if that's you, I just want you right now to take the first step and just acknowledge that. Just lift your hand. Even if you're sitting by yourself, just lift your hand and say, God, I know that's me. Maybe you type it in the chat or you click the link that they're going to put in the comments there on our website or on Facebook, and you click that link and you say, hey, I'm trusting I'm trusting God today as Lord and Savior of my life. It's that first faith-filled step. We want to pray for you. Or maybe today you say, hey, I just want to be the kind of person that takes up the shield of faith. I don't just want to hold it. I want to do something with it. I want to walk by faith and not by sight. I want to trust God for some bigger things. I want to make faith a verb in my life and faith some things forward in my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand, maybe type that into the chat today. Let us know so we can pray for you. Maybe you jump into the digital lobby in just a second. And you say, hey, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. We want to pray for you. We want to talk about that. Encourage one another today. Let's pray together. God, we love you and we thank you today. We thank you, God, that we can trust you for salvation. We thank you, God, that we can believe on your name for things bigger than us. And so, God, I pray now for every person that's watching right now, every person that's listening at some point in the future. God, if they know, hey, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, they acknowledge their need for you. God, I pray right now that you would forgive their sins and lead and guide their lives from this moment forward. You're changing eternities right now in in living rooms and in bedrooms and in beach condos and at work and in the car. God, you're doing that right now. And so, God, we celebrate with heaven for these people that are coming to be sons and daughters of God. God, now I pray for those who are listening and say, hey, I want to be a person that takes up the shield of faith. I want to live by faith. I want to make faith a verb in my life. I want to put faith into action because faith without works is dead. And so, God, I want it to be alive in my life. And so, God, we faith in some things. We inform our faith. It's evidence. It's substance. But, God, we want to take that faith and do something with it. God, we give you all the glory and all the honor for it. And we ask you now to help us to find victory in our lives against the schemes of the enemy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day and God bless.